Welcome to the 76th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gaddio Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we talk takeaways from the first round of the playoffs and go into who we can or cannot trust moving forward. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast, week 14 of the playoffs is in the books unless you are like Tyler and you are waiting for the outcome of the Browns and Ravens game where Tyler, what is it that you need to win to make it to the next round of the playoffs? So I'm sitting with a 19 point lead and I'm playing against Marquise Brown and Baker Mayfield, 19.1 point lead. 19. You need another quiet game for Marquise Brown, which I don't know. It's tough with Denzel Ward out, yeah. but uh, we, we, we've seen crazier things with Marquise Brown, just getting like <laughs> no targets whatsoever, but um, and possibly a Baker Mayfield shit show. So that's what I'm praying for tonight. Yeah, it sucks because there's no way you can like game script your way out of this. It's like if Baker plays well, um, or if the Browns are up, then Hollywood's going to get targets. And if the Browns are down, then Baker's going to have to throw which honestly could be a better thing for you. Uh, the more Baker throws, probably the better chances uh, he throws a lot of picks. But, you know, sometimes crazy shit just happens. I mean, Pat Mahomes just put up 18 points yesterday in round one of the playoffs, which ended up helping me out. But, yeah, um, for the most part, round one of the playoffs is in the books. We're looking to move forward to round two. And we're just going to talk about every single game pretty much that happened. We're going to go takeaways game by game. Um, first game I want to mention, Patriots-Rams uh, – we don't need to mention it. That's pretty much it. I mean, the game sucked. I think we talked about it before. We, Did we, we talk about it on Thursday? Thursday? Yeah, yeah, we talked okay, about good. it. Okay, good. So we don't need to talk about that. Um, Chiefs-Dolphins, this game was interesting. The Dolphins came out and absolutely punched Mahomes in the mouth. And the Dolphins did all of this being not fully healthy. They missed uh, Calvin Nolan and Landon Roberts on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki. Hypothetically, if the Dolphins were – to get this matchup in the playoffs um i'm not saying they would win but there is at least a pathway for them to do so because they like the patriots had been doing for the past few years they found a way to rattle pat mahomes and he was definitely rattled early on obviously he got going because that's just what pat mahomes does had a punt return touchdown i mean this game got really ugly really quickly and then the dolphins scratched and clawed their way back into this game it was very very impressive from the Miami Dolphins. So I I think the Dolphins actually are good here. But fantasy-wise, um, Mike Kosicki continues to be Chua's number one target. Obviously, it doesn't look like that because he left the game with a shoulder injury. Not sure exactly what that's going to be. And the Dolphins need Miles Gaskin. Their running game is terrible without him. Um, would not look to rely on any of their running backs until Gaskin is out. In terms of a dynasty ad, Lynn Bowden Jr., he technically is listed as a running back but he's playing receiver for them. And he was their number one receiver down the stretch of this game. Seven receptions, 82 yards, Tua trusted him. And he was getting all sorts of looks. I mean, jet sweep pop passes. They were running him in motion every single play, um, just lining him up at slot. It was some good usage for him. A guy that was obviously very explosive at Kentucky. Didn't pan out with the Raiders for whatever reason. They traded him like two months or two weeks into training camp. And yeah, and on the chief side of the ball, uh, their running backs are virtually unstartable. I mean, Clyde Adelaide caught passes, so that's cool. But against the New Orleans Saints next week, I'm not relying on any of these running backs. 
So you got to find another option. And obviously Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Pat Mahomes, uh, playing them with confidence. I mean, Mahomes won't throw three interceptions again for probably like another 10 years. So that's, I mean, no crazy big takeaways there. Um, just, I was overall impressed with how the Dolphins looked. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Tua had his ups and downs throughout the game, but he overall he kept them in the game. This was a one possession game uh, with probably like the best team in the in the, in the NFL right now. And, um, you know, Tua didn't didn't look very face. He, he threw the ball 48 times, threw for a 300 yard game, which is very impressive. Um, had three total touchdowns. So um, he definitely stepped up even when his guys, Mike Kosicki and Devontae Parker left. As far as Mike Kosicki and his status, it looks like with that shoulder injury, he's going to miss at least one game. Um, and I'm still trying to find out what, what's going on with Devontae Parker, but I'd imagine it's probably so, somewhere along those lines. He didn't finish with any, any stats, but uh, yeah. yeah, not much to say about uh, the Dolphins side of the ball. No, DeAndre Washington didn't really get the run game going. Um, obviously but, like, I will not, even if it's Salvon Ahmed, I will not play a Dolphins running back unless it's Miles Gaskin. Like he's far and away the only guy that really gets the work done for them, in my opinion. So that's just how Absolutely. I feel about their backfield. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, with the Chiefs, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire did not do, get much going on the run. Six, 16 carries to 32 yards, but he, he really salvaged his value with um, five five catches on six targets. Had 59 yards with that, 11.8 11, 11. yards per per reception. So uh, good for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think he finished with something like 11 points. So yeah. just your typical Clyde Edwards-Alaire game, getting getting some carries, not really being efficient with it, but like salvaging his value with his uh, receiving work. But um, kind of weird to not see Le'Veon Bell not get as many touches. I mean, he he finished with four total touches and 35 yards. So um, definitely odd to see that. But, you know, it is what it is. Chiefs know what's going on much better than we do. So uh, we'll just leave it at that. But, yeah, overall, very competitive game by the Dolphins. I mean, they, they had the early lead. And obviously we knew that Pat Mahomes was eventually going to make it a game because he's Pat Mahomes and just impressive that they're able to um, really disrupt his game from, from the first quarter on. Yeah, it, it was really impressive from the dolphins. I'm excited to see what they look like in the playoffs, assuming that they make it a uh, big game with the Patriots next week. If they win that, they pretty much clinch in the playoffs. Um, uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, Cowboys Bengals don't want to talk about this game very much. Just Amari Cooper is actually someone that you can play with confidence every single week. He's getting targeted. He's just a really, really good receiver. And I mean, this game was just wild how the Cowboys defense really won the game early on. I mean, they had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. They were taking the ball away from the, the Bengals at all times. And like we said before, I just can't trust any Bengals with how low of a ceiling this team has. They just suck. The Bengals are probably the second worst team in the NFL right now. Um, honestly, I think if them and the Jaguars played, I think the Jaguars would actually win that game right now. You forget about the Jets, brother. I said second worst. Oh, so I thought you were comparing. I thought you were calling the Jags the worst team. Never mind. No, 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 no. The Jets are by far the worst team. I think the Jaguars are probably like number three, but the Bengals are awful right now. I, I'm not convinced they, they would actually be able to beat the Jets. So, yeah, that is just a terrible team. 
Um, really don't want to talk about anything from this game. I mean, Zeke, you can't trust. Kyle, you can't trust really any of the players on these teams except for Amari Cooper, and that's that's just how I feel about it. If Joe Mixon comes back, I think he's going to be the biggest fool's gold of all time. Um, I'm not going to be playing him with any amount of confidence because the Bengals just suck. It's that simple. I mean, against the Cowboys, they couldn't do anything. That, that tells you everything you need to know. Like, everyone eats against Cowboys. They put up seven points. I'm out on the Bengals-Cowboys. Tyler, if you have anything you want to say on this game, or should we just keep going? Yeah, let's just keep going. There isn't really much to say here. Okay. Uh, Titans-Jaguars. Tyler, what did your boy Derrick Henry do this week? Uh, Derrick Henry, he did he did what he usually does against the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that I saw a stat where over 10 games – playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's at over a thousand yards, like brushing solely against them, which is J- Derrick Henry owns the the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like he has a partial stake in that owner, that, that uh, organization. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't think that they gave it to him. I think he just took it by force, but I don't think anybody there has a problem with it at this point because like, they're not really stop- doing anything to stop him. 26 carries for 215 yards, two touchdowns. Oof, geez, Louise. Um, but yeah, he he just completely dominated. It would, I mean, there's not much to say about that. Uh, AJ Brown, AJ Brown's just a, a dog straight up. Uh, he had that flea flicker touchdown at the beginning of the game. I think it was first quarter. Catches 112 yards, touchdown. Um, you know, just anything you would have expected from AJ Brown. So, um, yeah, he, he looked very good. Uh, Ryan Tannehill only had 24 pass attempts, but still finished with 212 yards and two touchdowns. He has some very, very good matchups moving forward. I don't know exactly what they are week 15 and 16, but I know that him and Derrick Henry are two guys that, like, I know that Ryan Tannehill is a guy that you want to start as a QB1 throughout the rest of the playoffs if you still have him. And obviously Derrick Henry's probably the RB1 throughout these next two weeks. So um, just something to look out for. And on the Jacksonville Jaguars side, we saw oh, both Mike Lennon. We don't even need to talk about Jacksonville. Yeah. They just, just suck. Just know that DJ Chark, DJ Chark is just a damn shame. You can't, you just can't trust, you can't trust a single person on Jacksonville's team. James Robinson, yes. Everybody else, no. And even at that, um, James Robinson's still going to be a low ceiling guy because their offense just sucks. So Maybe he can have that high floor because he's had it all year. His workload's good. He's a great player. He's going to be good for years to come. It's going to be very fun watching him and Justin Fields play together. Maybe Trevor Lawrence if the Jets fuck up, but it's it's it doesn't really matter. And uh, Derrick Henry, to your point, uh, I feel like he's just playing a different game of football. Like this is it reminds me of in Space Jam where Michael Jordan is playing against like the Monstars. Like Derrick Henry is a monster. Like that is exactly what he looks like to me. He's just ridiculously large, ridiculously fast. He looks better than he has in years past, too. Like, he looks quicker also. Um, if he goes over, I think, like, 600 yards in the next few weeks, he's going to have a 2,000-yard season. Tyler, you had a hot take on that earlier in the year. I just wanted to point that out. It is – if he has, like, two or three more games like this, honestly, just two and then one average game, he could be looking at a 2,000-yard Derrick Henry, which is pretty crazy. But – Anyways, we'll move on to the Cardinals and Giants. Once again, not too much to talk about here. The Giants just absolutely sucked. Daniel Jones looked horrible in his first game back from injury. And the Cardinals, I mean, I guess they look solid. Kenyon Drake is getting the volume that you wanted to see. 
um, this year, 24 touches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Chase Edmonds has kind of fallen off a little bit, I want to say. And my biggest takeaway is DeAndre Hopkins with a tough shadow matchup again this week. Instead of just putting him at the left side receiver position, they started moving him around to avoid James Bradbury and kind of moving him in motion, maybe stacking him with somebody. And to see that good coaching from Cliff Kingsbury to get his best players the ball was actually really good to see because we said DeAndre Hopkins was a temper expectations because he would just be lining up on the left side and getting shadowed by James Bradbury. But Kingsbury made a concerted effort to get him open, and it worked. He had nine receptions, 136 yards. So good for DeAndre Hopkins. If that's the case, he's going to be a wide receiver one for the rest of the fantasy playoffs. And you're feeling confident in him. So that's really the only takeaways I had there. Tyler, anything on this game? Uh, not really. Just know that uh, DeAndre Hopkins did his thing. I don't think he, had, he finished with any touchdowns. Uh, 26-7, that's about what I would have projected for this game with Daniel Jones coming back from injury. Uh, Kyler Murray, somewhat underwhelming, just having 244 yards and a touchdown. But uh, obviously he has that that rushing um, that rushing ability that really builds a strong floor for him, 4.7 points just by running the football. So, um, yeah, not much to say about it. Just typical Cardinals game besides the fact that Kyler Murray isn't playing at an MVP level. Playing um, at just Cardinals, good... Cardinals defense did go for 20 points, and I just want to point out, um, I feel like that was a little bit fluky. I don't think the matchup against the Giants is going to be that great once they actually have, like, competent quarterback play, um, but it'll still be solid. Just don't expect 20 points a week, but I do want to give credit where it's due. Hassan Reddick had five sacks against the Giants yesterday. He himself had five <laughs> sacks, which is just – absolutely bonkers to me credit to him that is great he's a guy i really liked when he was coming out of temple so good for hassan reddick a five sack game is literally just unheard of so that's obviously really cool um moving on to texans and bears this one was just murder i mean from the first carry david montgomery goes for 80 yards from scrimmage just a ridiculously long run and the bears just took over mitch trubisky outplayed deshaun watson Crazy to say, it happened. This is 2020. Um, Allen Robinson, the wide receiver one overall. Wait, is what it crazy say? to say? Is it crazy to say? Because Trubisky got picked second overall. Okay, watch, their, watch watch them play an entire season's worth of film and tell me, tell me what you think. But, yeah, Mitch Trubisky, he balled out. And they are so much better on offense with Mitch Trubisky. Like, it is – crazy how much better they can be we thought Nick Foles would raise the ceiling no he lowered the ceiling and the floor for this team um it it really sucks because they might miss the playoffs and I think they win a few more games if they didn't have Nick Foles come in for such a long period of time like Mitch Trubisky was 3-0 at the end of the day he was 3-0 and then they benched him because he was playing very bad against the Falcons Nick Foles got that W sure fantastic and then they fell off completely. But they're at 6-7 and seven right now. They still have a chance to make the playoffs. And Trubisky's playing good, dude. Trubisky is playing good. He's getting people involved. He's getting Allen Robinson, his best player of the ball. Nine receptions, 123 yards, and a touchdown. I believe he's the wide receiver one on the week. So that's really cool. And on the Houston side of the ball, um, I don't want to trust anybody from Houston. Uh, with Brandon Cooks out, they obviously have tough matchups too. I just don't want to trust anybody from Houston Kiki QT, I mean, three receptions, 24 yards, and one touchdown in a game where people thought he was going to go for, like, eight catches. Just very underwhelming. I'm not really loving anybody from 
this team. And on the Bears' side, Montgomery is going to be pretty good. And uh, his snap share has gone down a little bit, which is interesting. Cordero Patterson playing like 30% of snaps now. But it's working. They look good as a, as a team. Yeah, I mean, we know that this Houston defense has been vastly over, underwhelming over the past uh, pretty much all season. We saw it with Jonathan Taylor. He, he really broke out against them. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're the Chicago Bears and you're just slicing and dicing up this, this Texans defense, I think that says a lot about the competition that you're going up against. Um, yeah, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky, I think that, I think that with Foles, his, the floor is higher with the team, which is crazy to say. But like Trubisky, like Trubisky being a wild card is 100% so much more interesting than watching Nick Foles just like love the love the team to like maybe a couple first downs and then a punt. But um, yeah, I mean, he just brings more juice. He he can make plays outside of the pocket, which Foles can't really do because he's not very mobile. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely more interesting to see uh, Mitchell Trubisky there, and obviously he locks on to. Uh, the, the top players more. I mean, we saw uh, Allen Robinson get 13 targets. I don't know exactly. 13 divided by 33. I don't know what that is off the top of my head. That's a 39% target share. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's locking in on Allen Robinson. And when your only guy is really Allen Robinson, that's kind of the move. So, um, yeah, I mean, impressive game by the Chicago Bears. But, um even less impressive by, by the Houston Texans because, I mean, Deshaun Watson didn't have a great game. Uh, I think Randall Cobb is going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, like you said, Kiki QT really underwhelmed, only had like three targets. They also didn't have Brandon Cooks there. Chris Hansen or Chad Hansen, sorry, uh, had seven catches for 56 yards. Some dude named Buddy Howell led the team in carries and yards. So I guess that's interesting. I guess um, the, I guess the Texans are off the Duke Johnson train as a, as a workhorse. So um, yeah, I mean, not much to really say about, about this, uh, this game overall. I mean, it was just a smackdown by the Chicago bears. Not really much going on again uh, with the Texans. Yeah. Texans just suck and they don't even have their first round pick. It sucks for Deshaun Watson. It feels like he's going to be a guy who at least the early part of his career looks like it's going to be wasted and they have successfully wasted all of JJ Watt. So that's obviously not cool from the Texans. Don't love that. Uh, moving on to the Broncos Panthers game. This game was, uh, I don't know. Drew Locke is confusing. He kind of reminds me of like Jameis Winston, except he didn't actually throw any picks in this game, but he, one, he can't get the ball to his best receiver, which is Jerry Judy, who is legitimately always open, but he's able to score points. I mean, four touchdowns yesterday, uh, two 86 and two touchdowns for KJ Hamler, just big play guy making big plays. That's obviously really cool. Somehow they managed to get the W against the Carolina Panthers, who obviously are very underwhelming uh, without DJ Moore, they really, really, really struggled on offense. Good for Mike Davis. He had a good game, but I don't know. No one on these teams really excites me fantasy-wise. I'm not looking to play any Broncos. I think Melvin Gordon has his court date coming up this week, which is obviously a problem for him. He could potentially miss the rest of the playoffs for fantasy. And if you're starting with confidence, I don't really know how confident you must have been. He hasn't looked 
I mean, he looked solid, but he's been the better running back. But I just don't want anybody from this Denver offense right now, honestly. And with Carolina, I just don't trust anybody. Like, Robbie Anderson, solid. Curtis Samuel, solid. Mike Davis, is solid. I'm just not overly excited about these guys on a week-to-week basis until Christian McCaffrey comes back. Um, that's just how I feel about the Panthers. I don't really feel like there's much to say about that game. Like, two four and nine teams. It was just – it was low-key an exciting game, but I just wasn't – wasn't impressed with either side of the ball, despite Drew Locke actually playing a fantastic game. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I didn't really pay much attention to this game, but I see Robbie Anderson putting up a typical Robbie Anderson stat line, really being a target hog, 12 targets, eight catches for 84 yards, obviously zero touchdowns because this guy has like two touchdowns on the season. He's not, he's finishing with two touchdowns on the season. So um, Mike Davis had two touchdowns. That's cool. Uh, Teddy B finishing with 75% completion percentage. That's kind of expected uh, for a guy like him. Um, Drew Locke. I mean, that's really the biggest surprise here with Drew Locke, 21 for, of 27, 280 yards and four touchdowns. Like that's, that's a Russell Wilson stat line if we're keeping it a buck here. Um, not really, not really locking onto anybody. I mean, the, the highest target getter was uh, Tim Patrick with five targets. And then you have, Oh yeah, uh, Troy Fum, Troy Fumagalli. Yeah, I'm not gonna butcher that. Fumagalli also had five targets. So you, I mean, he he spread the ball around. Overall, pretty good game for for Drew Locke, to be honest. Um, I, I yeah, really wonder if they're gonna draft a quarterback. Like, they have to. He's shown flashes, but if you have a guy like a Zach Wilson standing there in the middle of the first round, like you have to take him, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna gush over Drew Locke, uh, dicing up the Carolina Panthers defense. Like, he, the fact of the matter is that he's just been too inconsistent throughout the season for you to not think about getting a quarterback. Yeah. Like, get, like giving this the situation that you have because, like, you're not giving the keys to the offense to Drew Locke with confidence right now. Yeah, like, absolutely you, you not. Have. So, um, but I mean, good game by by Drew Locke. Um, Obviously, the Melvin Gordon thing is substantial um, for not only like his his fantasy owners, but like anybody who owns anybody in this uh, in this offense. I don't know, like if you own uh, maybe Noah Fant or Drew, Jerry Judy, like Melvin Gordon, just another threat on the offensive on the offense. So um, if he's if he's out for multiple weeks, like that's that's not very good for uh, the rest of the offense. So um, yeah. That's, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Yeah, I feel like there isn't much more to be said about that game. Um, one of the more interesting games of the day, which actually kind of ended up being underwhelming, um, the Bucks and Vikings game, 26-14. to 14, The Bucks end up getting the W. Dalvin Cook was getting fed early on. He ended up going over 100 yards, rush yards. Uh, still a really, really good game from Dalvin Cook. I mean, this is like the toughest matchup he'll see. Maybe New Orleans week four. 16 but new orleans themselves just got gashed by miles sanders so it is completely possible that dalvin cook just keeps up this high rb1 production for the rest of the year because he's just that good he's a freaking good football player and that's all you can really ask for um adam thielen justin jefferson relatively quiet games i guess the bucks did a good job on the outside receivers irv smith we had an irv smith sighting that was cool he looked fantastic so if you are someone that has owned and stashed Irv Smith and Dynasty like myself, you're pretty happy with this uh with this performance. So that's 
that's definitely really cool from him. Um, on the Bucks side of the ball, Ronald Jones got the workload. He saw 19 touches, 84 yards, one touchdown. And this is kind of what you wanted to see from Ronald Jones. They said they were going to commit to him, and they did. And Leonard Fournette was a healthy scratch, and the offense looked better without him. Uh, Tom Brady did not look good to start the game, and he's struggling to get his receivers the ball, which is kind of crazy. But I, I, their offense is at least – I really don't – the only guy you can trust, in my opinion, is Ronald Jones. Everybody else is like iffy on a week-to-week basis. I mean, Chris Godwin, who's really freaking good, just finished with two catches for 25 yards. Antonio Brown looks like the guy that they're making a concerted effort to get in the ball to. Um, so I, I guess that's cool for AB. Um, not too much to talk about from this game, though, honestly. It, it was underwhelming in terms of what I wanted to see. But at the end of the day, Rojo got the workload and Dalvin Cook got the workload. And that's really the only takeaway from this game. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really what um, – I guess it's the biggest part of this game was Ronald Jones really solidifying himself. I don't think that Leonard Fournette got even any touches. So that's that's great to hear. We also saw a little bit of a sighting of LaShawn McCoy, which is also pretty cool. I think they, he had like a stretch of like taking four straight carries to give Ronald Jones a bit of a, uh, a rest. And he kind of balled out with those four carries. It was, it was fun to watch. It was kind of like a flashback, a little TBT action. Um Tom Brady only only threw the ball 23 times. So if you're wondering why uh, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and Chris Godwin kind of underwhelmed in production, like that's you, all you have to look at is right there. 23 attempts, uh, 196 yards, and uh, two touchdowns. So um, I think uh, Gronk got one of those catches, and then Scotty Miller had a 48-yard touchdown. So, I mean, obviously when you have – uh, three three wide receivers of the caliber of uh, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and Chris Godwin. You're going to be upset with that stat line, but like you just have to look at the 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 passing attempts. So uh, on the other side, Kirk Cousins. I mean, Kirk Cousins looked good through like the first three quarters, and then he kind of shit the bed in the fourth quarter. Um, Dalvin Cook obviously did his thing. Um, just I mean, he's he's a high floor guy even in these games because he's a He's a fucking top three running back in the league right now. Um, yeah, I think he had something close to 100 yards in the first half. Uh, yeah, even even in this against the one of the toughest matchups in the league in the Tampa Bay Bucks, like he still finished with um, something around like 17 points, 18 points. I don't know the exact math right now, but um, definitely a big game for for Dalvin Cook. Uh, the Irv Smith game had four targets, four catches, 63 yards, and, and a touchdown. Definitely stepped up without uh, Kyle Rudolph in the lineup. Him and uh, what's his face? Tyler Conklin. They both stepped up as well. Five targets, five catches for 40 yards for him. Uh, bit of an underwhelming game for Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Jefferson got the targets, eight targets, uh, four catches for 39 yards. Just sucks because he, uh, he was – he was definitely looking good there. Adam Thielen as well. There was a few instances where uh, Kirk Cousins was just not looking at Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. So uh, that definitely sucks. But, I mean, overall, this this game had a lot of playoff implications, and the, the Bucks ended up on top. And now it looks like they're going to be a team that's in the playoffs after uh, really having a tough stretch over the past, like, what, three or four weeks where they were just like, losing to everyone. They lost to the Rams. They lost to the Saints. 
they lost to um Chiefs also. Yeah, they, they had a tough stretch for sure. Um but yeah, they, they turned it on. So obviously the, the low volume passing is going to hurt down the stretch, I think, because they are going to be Rojo centric on this offense. He's going to lead the team in touches. And it's going to be by a wide margin. I don't think anyone's going to get close to what Rojo is getting in terms of touches. And he's going to – the offense is going to go through him, especially to end the season. Um, pretty, They're just going to try to win games with the ground game, the defense, and Brady is going to have to get in rhythm with that along the way. And uh, I think that formula could end up working by the time they get to the playoffs once their offensive line is healthy. Rojo is just ridiculously explosive, and that's obviously going to help them out. Um Moving on to the Colts Raiders game. Now this game was wildly exciting at the start of the game. And then Derek Carr kind of fell off by the end of it. But um, on the Raiders side of the football, Josh Jacobs, he didn't look all that hundred percent. It was also a tough matchup. Uh, only had like 74 yards total. I believe. Yeah. 74 total yards on 16 touches. Um, nothing too noteworthy there. Uh, Darren Waller still ridiculously talented and the Raiders as a whole, really, they, they've looked good against the Chiefs, but outside of that, they've been a very inconsistent team this season, and they are one Jets or Henry Ruggs Hail Mary away from being under 500. They're just not a fantastic team right now. They still have a ways to go. I wonder if Derek Carr is the answer for them if they look in another direction. Um, but for the Colts side of the ball, one, the Colts look really, really good. Their offensive line looks fantastic. Phillip Rivers is being efficient, which is kind of crazy to say, but he's definitely being efficient. He's getting T.Y. Hilton the ball, five receptions, 86 yards, two touchdowns for T.Y. Hilton. So of all the people that are turning out to be like league winners, I did not expect, I did not expect T.Y. Hilton to be that guy, but here we are, two straight weeks or three straight weeks of absolute domination, and he has the Texans against the Texans again next week. And like Derrick Henry owns the Jaguars, T.Y. Hilton owns the Texans. That's just the way it's been forever. I don't make the rules. I just tell it how it is. And that is exactly what it is. T.Y. Hilton is going to have another good game next week against the Texans. But the main takeaway from this game, the guy that I want to talk about, because we've been saying he he's a buy, he could be a league winner. And so far over the last two games, or really over the last three Jonathan Taylor is looking like a league winner, similar to the way that Cam Akers had a fantastic game. Um, Jonathan Taylor pretty much saw that and said, I'm going to match that. He had 22 touches for 165 yards and two touchdowns. And he showcased everything that you, you thought you were drafting. I mean, he's a guy that has a great offensive line. He's been much better, much more patient, way better at finding his holes and, I mean, he's taken away – he's ran away with this starting running back job, in my opinion. Um, I don't know how Frank Wright goes back to a guy like Jordan Wilkins. He only saw two touches this week. Obviously, Naheem Hines is still going to be involved. He deserves to be involved. He's a good player. He had 75 total yards on 11 touches. But Jonathan Taylor, man, he is sitting at RB11 on the year. And, Tyler, it, with Houston Texans next week, and obviously it's Pittsburgh week 16, which is going to be tough, but – has is Jonathan Taylor I mean we said he was on league winner watch but is like so far he's been a league winner over the last three weeks right yeah last two weeks he missed that uh that Titans game um with oh, yeah, yeah. last last three games played should I say yeah he, it was that Packers game as well where he balled out but yeah I mean he, he's looked very good at, along with the offensive line which offensive wise line surprisingly looked bad 
through the beginning of the season. Now we're kind of see them, seeing them turn up. And that's part of the, that's like a significant reason why we thought Jonathan Taylor would be uh, an RB1 at the beginning of the season was this offensive line really balling out. So now they're balling out and we're seeing Jonathan Taylor really uh, make use of that. So uh, that's definitely awesome to see. Uh, along with that, it's fantastic to see him get those, those 22, there's 20 carries, 22 total touches. Um, did not expect to be here at, at week 12 or what was it like week 11 when he was like, Literally just, I think it was, uh, I think that we had a conversation where we thought that uh, Naheem Hines would be the workhorse in this, this backfield or he'd be the lead guy. So I uh, did not think that we'd get to this point. Uh, it's been a bumpy ride with, with Jonathan Taylor to say the least, but um, I mean, if you have him and you, you, you have him week 15 and you're in the playoffs, like you, you got to start him. It's, it's gone to that point. Um, this, this Texan defense where you're talking about how the bears literally just put a 30 piece on them you got to start Jonathan Taylor against this, this defense. Like there's no doubts about it. Um, I'm feeling very confident in him, at least for next week uh, remains to be seen with the, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, we just need to see a, a little bit more from, from their defense um, to make sure, or to just see what, what exactly we're going to get going up against Jonathan Taylor. But yeah, I mean, super impressive from, from Jonathan Taylor. I think this was his first, multiple touchdown game of the season yeah uh, correct me if i'm wrong so uh yeah props to jonathan taylor really turning it up at the right time yeah jonathan taylor i mean he looked good that 60 what is it 62 yard run um that's that's literally everything you want i mean the hole was massive i'm not gonna say jonathan taylor did anything fantastic on that play like he literally just saw the hole and hit it which honestly is improvement for what he was doing like week six where he would see the hole and not hit it. He would just go in the exact opposite direction. So we've gone full circle with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, like one, maybe two months ago, he looked like Trent Richardson. Yesterday, he looks like Saquon Barkley. Who knows what he's going to look like next week? Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun game against the Houston Texans. Um, talking about Jets, Seahawks here, I don't want to talk about it, honestly. Um DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson. Chris Carson is insane. Um, 40 to three. The Jets are just an absolute embarrassment of an organization. They want Trevor Lawrence. Um, I guess it's going to be worth it because Trevor Lawrence is going to be one hell of a prospect, but that's the only takeaways from this game. The Jets suck. Seahawks looks like they're back on track after this game. We'll have to see how they look against a real NFL team. But I mean, their studs did what you want studs to do. So that's obviously really cool. Um, looking at the Falcons Chargers game, it looked like no one wanted to win this game. Matt Ryan had three interceptions. I mean, they had a stretch where I believe there was Matt Ryan threw a pick, Justin Herbert threw a pick, Matt Ryan threw a pick on like consecutive plays in the fourth quarter. Uh, no one wanted to win this game on the Falcon side of the ball. I don't trust a single running back of theirs. And on the receiver position, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones are going to be the only ones to trust Julio when he's healthy. Ridley, obviously pretty much at all times when he's on the field. He's one hell of a player despite Matt Ryan being washed at this point. And on the Chargers side of the ball, it sucks. If you started Mike Williams like I did, he left you an absolute goose egg. I guess he tweaked his back during warmups and they tried to put him out there on the first snap and he just could not give it a go. Um, It sucks for Mike Williams, sucks for people that played him. Uh, Hopefully you're able to overcome that, but it looks like I don't want to say league figured out Justin Herbert, but it looks like, with Austin Eckler back, 
Justin Herbert has been a much worse fantasy asset. I think he's just comfortable dinking and dunking his way to Austin Eckler, which is obviously good for Eckler, but it is really bad for Justin Herbert. He has not been good with Eckler in the lineup. Um, hoping that they can get that right against Las Vegas Raiders, who are an absolutely atrocious defense. They gave up 44 to Phillip Rivers. So you can at least expect Justin Herbert to put up 30 against them. But yeah, I mean, this this Chargers team, they just suck. They're, they're probably the worst coach team in the NFL, maybe besides Adam Gase. But even at that, like there's a lack of talent in New York. There's not that much of a lack of talent to the point where the Chargers are this bad of a football team. Like they should have blown this game open relatively early the Falcons without Julio Jones are one of the worst teams in the NFL they, they, they just ugh, I'm so ready for Anthony Lynn to get fired from the Los Angeles Chargers yeah uh I mean there, there's definitely not a lack of talent on on this Los Angeles Chargers team we do talk about the offense Justin Herbert has shown so much potential over the last uh I mean throughout the season and obviously you have Eckler out in the backfield and then Keenan Allen as a receiver he's obviously number one guy but Along with that, you, you you have talent on the defense. Like they, we, before the season, we we're talking about the secondary being one of the best in the league with Desmond King, uh, Chris Harris Jr., um, Casey Hay- Hayward. But uh, obviously, Desmond King is not on the team anymore. But still, like they they have immense talent on, on the outside. And um, yeah, like you said, they're sitting at four and nine right now. They should not be a team sitting at four and nine. This this is this has a lot to do with the coaching, if not all on the coaching. So uh, that's definitely disappointing as a football fan. You see a team with a lot of potential just sitting at, at this, I think, what is that? A little bit over 33% in uh, winning percentage. That's definitely not, not something somewhere you want to be at. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Falcons are just underwhelming with the, without Julio and um that's really the only reason why the Chargers won this game. Had Julio played like this, this would have this uh, game would look a lot worse for the Chargers, especially considering like the, their lack of uh, clock management uh, throughout the throughout the game. So um, yeah, I mean, if Matt Ryan three interceptions, not much to say about that. He's really not someone that you're looking at as a fantasy option moving forward. No, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley having his typical Todd Gurley game, six carries for 19 yards, averaging under four yards per carry. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you if you still have Todd Gurley at this point, I feel sorry for you for trusting when Todd him Gurley was like the RB five, and everyone was going crazy, but it was just all touchdowns. Yeah, it was I mean, literally all touchdowns. And look at what that happens point, when like, the touchdowns dry up, dude. It's it's he's not a good NFL player, and. It if sucks because if you were able to sell him, that's really cool. Like it, we, we're, we're saying sell him pretty much the entire year. Obviously we looked wrong in the beginning of the year and then ended up being right later on in the year. It took some time for that, but the principle still remains. It, like if you can sell a bad football player for way more than they actually should be worth as a talent, then like absolutely do so. Like I remember like we said in like what week four after that two touchdown game against green Bay, we're like, sell Todd Gurley for James Robinson, if possible, obviously James Robinson was tough to acquire, but if you could like try to do something like that, it would work because Todd Gurley is just not a good football player, bad offensive line, bad offense. Like it's just, there's so many red flags and this is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on moving forward. Like these running backs, running backs really do fall off of a cliff. Like Leonard Fournette sucks. Melvin Gordon, I guess is decent still. Um, but whatever i mean he's not really like a a highly touted fantasy asset 
Le'Veon Bell is really not that good anymore. He's just going to have some good games, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to get like those 30 touches for like 160 yards and two touchdowns. Like those games don't happen anymore. The, you want younger running backs. Like I'm honestly done trying to draft and extract value out of these older guys because it almost never works and they just they completely fall off. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I just wanted to say like these running backs, they fall off quick. They really, really do. Like I, I we're going to have to talk about this later on in the offseason um, as to who's going to be next because everyone is getting older. Everyone gets one year older every single year. I just wonder who's going to be the next running back that kind of falls off in that regard. Um, but anyways, moving on to Saints-Eagles. This game was fun. Uh, Saints started out down 17-0 and then ended up losing 24-21 to the Eagles. Uh, Taysom Hill ended up turning it on. Uh, pretty much every player kind of played the way you'd expect them to on the Saints. Alvin Kamara finally got targeted. Jared Cook scored a touchdown. Uh, Manuel Sanders had a great play. Michael Thomas, eight receptions, 84 yards. Um, Latavius Murray has fallen from grace after having like two straight good games with Taysom Hill or three straight good games. But the real surprise here was what Jalen Hurts did to the Philadelphia Eagles team. Um, obviously, it regenerized, re-energized Miles Sanders. Um, he looked fantastic. He obviously had that 83-yard 80, run, which obviously helps his value. Outside of that, he had like 13 carries for like 30-something yards. But honestly, I don't care. Miles Sanders, those 83-yard carries are kind of what he can do. He's the one player in the NFL that has more than one rush of 70 yards this year. And I'm pretty sure he has three or four which is insane because those runs are not easy to come by and he's done it all against tough matchups, but Miles Sanders is just that kind of guy. And he, he gets, he sets up his blocks and he gets to the next level. It just works. Um, but Jalen hurts. You look good. I mean, both of these guys went over a hundred yards rushing in the toughest rushing matchup in the NFL. So that's really, really good for them as a receiving output. Um, really don't trust any of the receivers, but you can trust Miles Sanders and Jalen hurts moving forward. I believe I think they both have pretty solid low RB1, low QB1 appeal moving forward with upside for even more. Uh, that's really my takeaway from this game. The Saints need Drew Brees back, but Jalen Hurts is giving the Eagles a fighting chance. Yeah, we're talking about Jalen Hurts before the game, and he's going up against probably the best defense over the last three or four weeks in, in the New Orleans Saints. And um, – you know, he, he took command of this this offense from the get-go, and he, they finished – they were up 17 to nothing, and then um, they ended up scoring a touchdown later on. So um, just very impressive by, by Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles to kind of come together and get a really big win against the New Orleans Saints, who were kind of expecting to get a W here. But uh, we're definitely surprised by uh, Jalen Hurts coming out 100 yards on the ground, uh, 167 yards in the passing and one touchdown. So, um, yeah, that, that rushing production is going to provide a low floor or high floor for him. I think he has the Cardinals next week and then the Dallas Cowboys the week after. So um, you're really looking at Jalen Hurts as one of the top waiver options if, um, if you need a quarterback because obviously the, the Cardinals defense, yes, they have Hassan Reddick who just had five sacks, but overall their defense is not as good as the New Orleans Saints. So um, yeah, I'm feeling good about Jalen Hurts moving forward. As long as he's a starting quarterback, I, I don't see how Doug Peterson would turn away from him at this point. They have like, he has one of their four wins. So um, yeah, I mean, 
Miles Sanders obviously had that big run as well. Um, on the other side, what, what was most impressive was um, Alvin Kamara finally getting targets. I think that he had three targets the week before that, and then two, and then uh, zero targets in his first uh, game with, with Taysom Hill. So this was kind of the first game where he was able to regain that receiving value with Taysom Hill, and that's definitely good to see. Um, not necessarily much of a concern for the regular season because – we're expecting Drew Brees to be back for this uh, Kansas City Chiefs game uh, for week 15. But if Taysom Hill ends up being the future of the New Orleans Saints uh, as, as like their starting quarterback of the future, I think that um, this has uh, some dynasty implications. We, we can see now that uh, if Taysom Hill has a negative game script, like he can rely on Alvin Kamara. Or he, he will rely on Alvin, Alvin Kamara out of the backfield as a pass catcher. So, um, yeah, I mean, that kind of debunks whatever, uh, whatever thoughts you, some people had about uh, Taysom Hill just completely avoiding the, the running back position uh, as, a, as a receiving option. So uh, that's good to see. Taysom Hill overall, I mean, he, I think he finished with like 18, maybe 19 points overall. So um, not necessarily a, a very high scoring game, but like you, you can't complain with that output. He just had another solid output with uh, 33 yards on the ground just provides that for that uh, running quarterbacks do. But I mean, like you said, this is pretty much everything that you would have expected for all, for all the, uh, the saints uh, fantasy options. And then on the other side, Jalen hurts is some, someone that's intriguing moving forward. Yeah. I, I really am interested in Jalen hurts, especially in that week 16 matchup against Dallas. Um, like Jalen hurts reminds me a lot of Dak Prescott. And once he starts getting rhythm, like he is going to keep improving. And that's obviously really cool for him. Moving on to Packers Lions here. Um, not too interested in what happened on the Packers side. Like pretty much everything you know is going to happen. Aaron Jones, I mean, decent game rushing, didn't score a touchdown. He's obviously been touchdown dependent most of the year because Devontae Adams is getting everything. Uh, Devontae Adams, seven receptions, 115 yards, one touchdown. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, six receptions, 85 yards, one touchdown. And Robert Tanyan with another Robert Tanyan game, five receptions, 36 yards, one touchdown. Um, not too much to talk about there. Pretty much the Packers are going to be the Packers. They're a damn good football team, and they're going to put up points every single week. On the Lions side of the ball, um, DeAndre Swift ended up getting more involved this week. Still only saw 12 opportunities, which is weird. He had seven rushes for 24 yards and a touchdown, and he had four receptions for 26 yards, and that's it. That's pretty much all that happened. Um, TJ Hawkinson, still one of the best tight ends in the NFL. He had a good game, six for 43 and a touchdown. Um, what takeaways do you have from this game, if any? Because honestly, this game almost went the way I'd expected, and then the Lions scored a late touchdown, but I thought this would have ended like 31 to 17. Lions kept it a little bit closer than expected, but that's, I mean, Nothing surprised me from this game. This is like this is exactly what I thought would happen. Yeah, with DeAndre Swift, we we kind of had him as our start of the week, um, coming out of injury, uh, concussion that kept him out for I think three weeks. Um, they didn't trust him to have that full workload in his first game back, so um, I guess that doesn't come as much of a surprise. So besides that, um, yeah, Devonte Adams did his thing. Aaron Jones kind of did his thing. I don't think he finished with the touchdown though. But, um, I mean, Aaron Jones kind of had that, that not necessarily the game that you would have wanted from him. So that's a bit disappointing. But Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, 
definitely not disappointed with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, 290 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you said, this this game went pretty much as expected. Um, would have been interesting to see the the Lions get one more run and get have an opportunity to score that touchdown. But um, you know, the Packers are clearly clearly better than them. So um, yeah, I mean, good fight put up, put up by the the Lions. But Packers are just good. Packers are a definitely Super Bowl contender. Definitely in the top four as far as uh, NFC teams. Um, they're going to be right back in that conversation come playoff time, like real playoff time, NFL playoff time. Yeah, outside of losing to the Vikings on a weird week where Dalvin Cook just had a career day and losing to the Bucks in a game where Aaron Rodgers just did not have it, um, this team looks freaking good. And they might not play a full four quarters every single game, but they're just a damn good football team. Um, speaking of a damn good football team, the Washington football team has come out of nowhere. They are six and seven. They look really freaking good. Um, it's crazy because they were not successful pretty much at all offensively this game. Uh, the Niners defense did a good job against them. They forced turnovers. I mean, they only had 108 yards passing and they had, um, I don't know, not that many yards rushing either, probably close to 100 yards rushing. I don't feel like doing math right now, but the, the, the Washington football team won this game and because their defense put pressure and they're just playing complimentary football. They're not losing the game on offense and they are winning the game on defense. Two defensive scoring touchdowns in this game um, just absolutely dominated um, with D. Bill Samuel being hurt for the Niners. Brandon Ayuk did see a super high volume role. He finished with 10 receptions. 119 yards and a negative game script. Brandon Ayuk is just, he's as what T Higgins was earlier in the year with like a high, high floor wide receiver too. That's what Brandon Ayuk has turned out to be, which is obviously really cool. If you own Brandon Ayuk, he looks fantastic. He's going to be one of my favorite dynasty buys going into next year. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> the Washington football team is impressive. That's my takeaway from this game. They are well coached. Their defense is ridiculously talented up front and it's really benefiting them on the back end too. They play freely in the back end. They can play very, very aggressive. Kind of what we saw from the defense that the Niners had last year. That's what we're seeing from the Washington football team this year. Obviously their record isn't great because they're not very good on offense and their offensive line is not very good. And they're also missing Antonio Gibson, but I mean, they've won three straight, I believe, and they look good. Like, they just look good, and I'm excited to see how they end the season. They have Seattle this week, which is obviously a tough matchup, but even with that, like, the way they are playing, the way Chase Young and Montez Sweat are controlling the edge, that could end up being a good football game in its own right. So we'll see, but I'm very surprised and excited about what Washington is doing. Absolutely. Uh, you said that, like, this game, these games are being won on the defense, like, when you have a front with Chase Young, uh, Ryan Kerrigan, um, just other pieces all, all around uh, in that front line, you know, that you're going to have success. And uh, when going up against the Seattle Seahawks next week, if they're able to dominate that front line, like they could definitely make a game against them. Um, obviously, Seattle Seahawks defense has gotten better, but they're not anything to be like, completely afraid of. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love what I'm seeing from the Washington football team. Besides the fact that uh, they're they're they threw a total of 95 passing yards last game or yesterday and did not have a passing touchdown, only a one interception. So they did this really without Terry McLaurin, who had six targets, two catches for 24 yards. I think that just makes it much more impressive. 
given the fact that McLaurin didn't do anything, Antonio Gibson was out. Um, J.D. McKissick did not really – I mean, J.D. McKissick, 11 carries for 68 yards. I mean, that's something. Uh, did a little bit in the passing game. So um, that was really their most significant um, offensive output with J.D. McKissick having – what is that? 86 total yards. So um, this game was really won by the, the, the defense. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. And uh, really getting, getting this, uh, this 49ers deep or offense really uncomfortable. So um, definitely impressive by the, the Washington football team beating a team like the, the, the San Francisco 49ers who have not looked great as of the last few weeks, but like, it's still a very impressive win to really solidify themselves ahead of the pack in the NFC East. So props to the Washington football team, props to Ron Rivera, really honing it down. Um, even solidifying the win, even with uh, Alex Smith being, uh, getting out of the game, having Dwayne Haskins come back in. So um, yeah, I mean, love, love what I'm seeing from the Washington fo- football team from a football perspective, not so much fantasy perspective. Yeah, from fantasy-wise, like, you're hoping Antonio Gibson comes back next week. Even at that, I don't know if he'll be 100%. He was ruled out doubtful uh, pretty early this past week, so I'm not expecting him to play against Seattle either. I'd be shocked if he does. You're hoping for him to play in the fantasy championship if you still have him on your team and you are able to make it there. But, I mean, the Washington defense looks good, so we'll see what they end up doing next week. And then the nightcap, um, Tyler, your Steelers, man. Your Steelers. It's... On a scale from one to ten, in terms of uh, let's say what you think, or I don't know, because the, the expectation was obviously when you're eleven and zero, you look like Super Bowl contenders. But over the past two weeks, very very ugly losses to um, obviously a Washington football team, where it was uh, it was a good game, and then the Bills game where you guys were just completely outmatched the entire time after the first quarter. Once the Bills offense got rolling, they were outmatched. On a scale from one to ten, let's say ten being contenders and one being absolute frauds, where do you think the Pittsburgh Steelers are right now? Obviously, as a Steelers fan, I mean, I'm not, I'm not feeling great about the team right now. I still think that uh, we have, we have yet to see the best of Ben Roethlisberger, in my opinion. So um, I'm still sitting at like that six to seven range. I'm still definitely very skeptical of the of the team right now. Um, we had a lot of injuries up front. Um, and obviously that showed because second half, they were just, especially in that third quarter, like bills were just sending blitzes and forcing Ben to make a quick decision. And I mean, the receivers just weren't making plays. They weren't catching the ball. I think that's the biggest problem, uh, besides the offensive line is that the, the receivers just aren't catching the football. <laughs> we saw that from literally the first play of the game where Deontay Johnson dropped a screen pass. So just a continuation of what we saw against the Washington football team. But um, I mean, yeah, overall, there's a a lot of injuries. And I'm not going to say that injuries would have made the difference in this game. But um, I think that would have been a little bit closer. But uh, I mean, overall, it was just disappointing to see this from, I mean, from the the quarterback to like the, the special teams, everything was just Nothing really went our way besides that. Uh, what was it? The, the, the couple of interceptions that we that the Steelers had to begin the game, but um, I mean, yeah, Josh Allen really turned it up. They also just really won the game in the front on the 
in the in the trenches overall. I mean, the Bills were getting more pressure on Ben Roethlisberger than the Steelers were getting on Josh Allen, especially in that second half. So um, if that's happening with the pass rush that the Steelers have, like there's there's really no win. There's no way that you're going to win. So um, yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I still I'm not going to, I'm not in full panic mode. I am very upset about the loss, especially considering it, it, it pushes us, it pushes the Steelers just one game further from uh, the possibility of having a bye. So um, yeah, I mean, Steelers did not look great, but um, I have, I have faith in Mike Tomlin in uh, holding this team down and really uh, getting things together moving forward. Yeah, um, the Steelers, they could be fine. I think injuries are really hurting. But my biggest thing is, once again, there's no run game. And as long as there's no run game, you're not going to win anything. Like, you're not Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes can go out there, sling it 50 times, and put up 60 points. That's who he is. That is not who the Pittsburgh Steelers are. Um, They average under three yards a carry against a very bad run defense from the Buffalo Bills. It was just overall underwhelming for the Bills and – they did not expose that in the slightest. That is my biggest problem with the Steelers right now. If you cannot run the football and you're just trying to dink and dunk your way down the field, you're not earning any easy yards. It's going to be very, very difficult to sustain a drive. And that's what you saw last night. I mean, Big Ben, he wasn't able to hit many deep throws, if any at all. Um, I'm really not sure if he hit many. Um, and they, they, one, they needed Deontay Johnson. Him dropping passes and getting benched obviously hurt the team, uh, I think, in the early stretches of the second half they needed him and then he ended up coming back in he moved the ball a little bit but fantasy wise um I guess I don't have any confidence in Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson James Washington coming in kind of hurts what his value potentially could be and Juju Smith-Schuster I mean it looks like he's Ben's last resort like he doesn't want to target him to start the play unless it was that touchdown where it was a like a really nice run pick on the goal line but I don't know. The Steelers offense is just, it's not looking great right now. And then you guys have the Bengals next week, right? So that's like a get right game. And then the Colts week 16, which is ultimately, I think going to tell you exactly what the Steelers are going to be going into the playoffs. 100%. I'm not overly excited about the Steelers right now. I think they still can win a few games in the playoffs, but I just don't know if they can string together multiple performances in order to get to the Super Bowl or something, especially if they don't have that first round by like that's going to hurt. But we'll see what ends up happening. And on the other side, I want to give credit where it's due. The Buffalo Bills look like the second best team in the AFC. They look like a team that could actually give the Chiefs a pretty good game. The defense is playing well. Josh Allen is playing solid. He's very athletic. They don't have a run game, which is what's really going to hurt them, I think. None of their running backs are athletic or very dominant in any fashion. They're kind of just – they're guys. Like, they're just solid. They can get the job done if the O-line is playing well. But if the O-line isn't playing well, they're not really doing much for themselves. Um but Stephon Diggs is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, he was just cooking whoever they put in front of him. Like, if you were putting zone, he was getting open in zone. If you were playing man, he was just absolutely dusting everybody in man. I want to give credit where it's due. This is one of the few win-win trades. Uh, the Bills won the trade, and the Vikings won the trade because the Bills have an absolute alpha, and the Vikings replaced an absolute alpha with a guy who is becoming an absolute alpha, and they got another pick on top of that. So, yeah, I mean, win-win trade for the Vikings and Bills. Don't see that very often in the NFL, but it really was. It really, really did benefit both sides, and I'm happy for Josh Allen. He looks fantastic. Um, Stephon Diggs looks fantastic, and 
The Bills are legit. So that's that's really my takeaway from that game. And we have Monday Night Football tonight. Ravens versus Browns. Tyler, I know you don't need a good – or you need Baker Mayfield to have a bad game. I think Marquise Hollywood Brown could have a pretty solid game this week. But the player I'm really excited to watch tonight, more so than anybody else, is J.K. Dobbins to see if he can, like, reclaim that workhorse role. Because if he's able to, then he could be a high RB2 for the rest of the fantasy playoffs. And moving forward, you're going to feel fantastic about him in Dynasty. But if he is not able to, then I think there is a little bit of concern because Mark Ingram could stick around. If they pay Gus Edwards, that is going to be a big thorn in the side of J.K. Dobbins. So we'll end up seeing what happens there. Tyler, who's what's your like one major prediction on what happens in this game tonight, whether it's like a player stat or the game overall, like what's your prediction? I'm, I'm projecting Baker Mayfield to uh, throw two interceptions, and I'm not just saying that because <laughs> I need him to. But, um, you know, Jimmy Smith is coming back. This defense is starting to get healthy. I'm not actually sure where the game is. I think I'm going to have to check on that right about now. It's in it Cleveland. At Cleveland, which I don't even care about anyways. Uh, I'm, I'm still not feeling very good about Baker Mayfield against the Baltimore Ravens. I think that as the defense gets healthier, it's obviously not going to bode well for, for Baker, Mayf- Baker Mayfield. So I would not start him with confidence. And um, I would definitely would not feel good about him if I was starting him uh, for this game. So um, I, I'm feeling a lot better about the, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Baker Mayfield's coming off a very good game. Or relatively good game. They played the yeah, they played the the Titans last game, and he really balled out for that first half. I think that he really comes down to earth um, against the Baltimore Ravens uh, this tonight. So yeah, um, I can I'm see that for sure. I'm 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 projecting two interceptions for him tonight. Two interceptions for Baker Mayfield. Honestly, I could see it. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I think the Browns' offensive line is legit, and they pose a legitimate problem for the Baltimore Ravens because, yes, the Ravens have a good front line, but their linebackers are still small, uh, especially Patrick Queen. So if you can block second level, I mean, you're talking about Nick Chubb going against whoever is in the Ravens secondary, and that is ideally not a great matchup for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm very excited to see J.K. Dobbins play. Um, I don't really have any bold predictions on this game. Uh, I, I just really want to know what – the Ravens are going to do. I'm excited to see what Lamar Jackson does. He played solid last week. He was missing a few throws, but he also had some nice throws sprinkled in there as well. I'm just hoping Lamar can improve as a player. I want to see what his growth looks like because the Ravens, as bad as they've looked, they still have a defense that is a championship caliber defense. And if you can get Lamar hitting his targets the way he was in the middle of last year, um, it is very, very possible that the Ravens can still be a, uh, Champ, they're not championship contenders, but they can be, they can upset somebody in the AFC for sure. They definitely can. I think they're starting to be slept on a little bit because they've had some ugly games throughout, but I'm, I'm excited to see what this game's going to look like. It's going to be one hell of a game. And if the Browns win, that sets up or they're setting up for a, a major game in week 17 against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where it could potentially be for the division, which is crazy to be saying right now, but that's where we're at. And I, I'm just excited to watch this game overall. That wraps up our week 14 takeaway podcast. If you want us to answer your questions, make sure to ask us on social media. Our social media accounts are linked in the description of this pod. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button.